Uh, why did the wizards go to battle empty-handed? Did you make this joke up? No, I didn't. Okay, go I ahead. found it. But so, so, so we've descended the podcast to the point where we're doing dad jokes as the intro. I'm, I'm on board. Why did the Why did the wizards go to battle empty-handed? Uh, Their weapons were at a staff meeting. Oh God, I was going to say there was no <laughs> oh. staff, but okay, that's uh, that doesn't even make sense because the weapons are not employed, but fine. <laughs> what do you mean they're not employed? They are they don't have a paying job. Handled by wizards. They don't have a paying job. There's no mm. contract. <laughs> <laughs> I am at a loss for words. It's a Mimic, the roundtable Dungeons & Dragons discussion where you never know what you're going to get. Happy holidays and welcome to another episode in our conversation on classes. I'm Dan, and with me today are Terry and Kyle, and this episode is called Wizards, Towering Intellects. Get it? Because wizards have, like, towers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. We always get it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we've previously covered the Abjuration, Divination, and Illusion subclasses in our first wizard episode, which started off with a breakdown of the regular class features and level progression. In our second wizard episode, we went over the Conjuration, Evocation, and Transmutation subclasses, as well as the sections in Xanathar's Guide to Everything, which encourage players to consider spellbooks, ambitions, and eccentricities. Then, the last time we discussed wizards, we looked into Transmutation, Necromancy, and War Magic, while also arguing about which spell school is the most evil, which spells are the most insidious, the corrupting nature of power, and how to play the high-intelligent bad guys. You can find these episodes as well as our other class episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and dozens of other podcast apps, or you could jump over to YouTube and dig into the entire playlist on classes that we've built there. This episode of the It's a Mimic podcast takes you into the pages of Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, where this panel of Dungeon Masters is going to look at the subclasses presented there, including one of the most popular updates we've seen in Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition, since Tritons finally got dark vision. And of course, this episode will be digging around in the optional class features that Tasha's offers. So we're just going to get right into it because we got a lot to cover here today, okay? I love that one of the most exciting things that happened to our was community Tritons, was Tritons got uh, dark vision. Yeah. That's yeah. fucking important. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Dragonborn still didn't. So uh, who knows? I mean, Fizzbands isn't out yet. So <laughs> it could be as of the time of this recording. I think dark vision has to be one of the most controversial aspects of this game. Yeah. Like, it's a really good name for a band, actually. Dark Vision. Dark Vision, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. Anyways, let's dig deep into this right quick. And the first thing I want to do is just do a quick overview of what the base wizard class gives us. We've done four episodes since we've covered this. So let's just talk about it real quick. Wizards are your quintessential spellcaster. And they express this by every single bit of their class being targeted towards the guy who stands in the back and either controls the battlefield or slings spells. They do not have a lot of hit points. They run off D6 and their saves are going to be their intelligence or wisdom. Okay, that's the saves that they get. For their proficiencies, they get to choose two of Arcana History, Medicine, Religion, Insight, or Investigation. These are all pretty much... The stuff you learn in books, good uh, skills. So, do you want to No, you're just staring at me. <laughs> well, that's because um, you're reading and I'm <laughs> waiting for you to be done. So, wizards are intelligence-based casters. They were, for the very long time, the only intelligence-based class we got. Thankfully, now artificers have jumped in there. But we see that their spell casting, specifically, wizards, works out of a spell book where you get to learn as many spells as you could get your hands on you just prepare a certain number of them for your casting day okay with your spell casting you also get the ability to do ritual spell casting which really helps now 
One of the big problems with Wizards has always been their five minute workday, which means that every time they would burn out of their spells, they're then useless. Well, 5e has thankfully rectified that with Arcane Recovery, which lets you recover spell slots during your short rest. There's just a limited number of them, equal to less than half your wizard level. So if you're level 10, you can restore up to five spell slots for the day on a short rest, okay? Next, at second level, you get your Arcane Tradition. This is going to be your subclass. You get it at second level, unlike most classes that either get it at one or like most of them, three, okay? Arcane Tradition really will flavor how your character feels and every single spell school or blade singing or war magic, whatever it is, adds a different aspect to your wizard. At fourth level, you get the ability score improvement like all classes do. Most tables also run with feats at this point. And then you get alternating things of whatever your arcane uh, tradition gives you or ability score improvements all the way up until level 18 where you get spell mastery, which gives you a first level and a second level spell that are in your spell book. And you could cast those spells at their lowest level without expending any spell slots when you have them prepared. Okay, so you get to cast a first level and a second level spell for free. That's good. Okay, they still good. come up a lot. Okay. At uh, 20th level, you get mastery over two powerful spells, which is where you then choose two third level wizard spells as your signature spells. These two spells don't count against the number of spells you have prepared, and you could cast them each at third level without expending a spell slot. So at their base level, you could cast them with never having to expend a spell slot, okay? That is what we basically get for wizards. They're a fairly simple class until you look at all of the spells they get. There is a bunch of new spells that we get in Xanathar's and Tasha's and there's some in Rime of the Frostmaiden and Acquisitions Incorporated. There's a bunch of new spells. And we're gonna go over all these new additions now. All of these spells are not present in the player's handbook, but have come out in Tasha's or Xanathar's or whatnot. Tasha's did come out with reprints of and updates of spells. So if the newest version of that spell is in Tasha's, we're just going to attribute those spells as being from Tasha's. So we're gonna start, there's a handful of cantrips. First one is Booming Blade, which is an evocation cantrip that has a delayed explosion of thunder damage if the target willingly moves before the start of your next turn. Higher levels add damage to the initial hit and expand on the damage to the delayed effect. Green Flame Blade is another evocation cantrip that splashes adjacent bad guys with some additional fire damage. Higher levels add damage to the initial hit and expand on the damage of the splash. Lightning Lore is an evocation cantrip that, with a strength save, either pulls a target that is 15 feet away from you, 10 feet closer to you, and then does lightning damage or nothing at all. Mind Sliver is an enchantment cantrip from Tasha's that forces an int save to avoid both taking 1d6 psychic damage and getting 1d4 knocked off your next saving throw. Higher levels only increase the damage. Sword Burst is a conjuration cantrip that causes a five foot aura of spinning blades to spring from the caster, forcing a deck save or take 1d6 force damage. We're now gonna move on to the first level spells, which first one we get is from Acquisitions Incorporated and it's called Distort Value. It is a first level illusion spell that doubles or halves the perceived value of an object for eight full hours. There's no save on this, but people trying to figure out what the actual value of the item is can roll an investigation versus your spell save DC. Higher levels let you do this to physically bigger items. In Frostmaiden, we get a first level evocation spell called Frost Fingers. This is basically a chilly burning hands, except it's a con save instead of a dex save. It does 2d8 cold damage instead of 3d6 fire damage, 
and freezes things instead of burns them. It's still a 15-foot cone. Sure. These spells mm. are good. They're good. Well, let me talk to you about Jim's Magic Missile from Acquisitions Incorporated. This is a first-level evocation spell that is not Magic Missile. Okay? This lets you expend a single gold as the material component to create three, and I quote, twisting, whistling, hypoallergenic, gluten-free bolts of 2d4 frost damage each. <laughs> Unlike traditional magic missile, you still have to roll for these attacks. Should have added the gluten. Should have added the gluten. <laughs> However, if they crit, each bolt does 5d4, not 4d4. And if any of the rolls botch, all of the missiles will then turn back and hit the caster for one damage each. Higher levels of the spell allow for more bolts, but also cost one gold piece more per spell level used. You gotta what you gotta put this in a wand and throw it in the mm. game somewhere. Oh yeah. You gotta give this to somebody. You gotta. <laughs> yeah. Next we get a first level evocation spell from Tash's called Tash's Caustic Brew. This lets you napalm a line of enemies that must use their action to <laughs> scrape off the acid if they fail the initial dexterity save or take 2d4 acid a turn. How do we wow. have napalm in this game? Oh. That's like saying, here's an Irish car bomb. Yeah. Yep. Here's a suicide bomb. <laughs> That's itself. a delayed fireball. <laughs> Next, we get a second level enchantment spell from Acquisitions Incorporated. We've talked about it before. It's called Gift of Gab. This is the spell I need in oh, my I real life. Spell. Yeah. Um, what it lets you do is redo a flubbed sentence or two uttered in the last six seconds or a round. You'd be out of spell slots already for oh. this podcast. Oh, yeah, I would be. <laughs> Thankfully, <laughs> editing's a thing. <laughs> You have to pay two gold for the material component, but there is no save. They just automatically, if you do this to somebody, they automatically take your new sentence as the initial sentence said. Yeah, that's great. If you're a good roleplay heavy DM and you're going to yes and this with the players, this would be fucking hilarious. Just, oh. let, just <laughs> let them do it. Let yeah. them do it. Let them go nuts. Yeah, and like... Ha have them have to cast the spell like three or four times. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? Oh, like, fuck. shit, I got it wrong. No, no, no. Dude, do over. Another one. But just roll with it like yeah. quickly. <laughs> yeah. That'd be so funny. Um, also in Acquisitions Incorporated, we get Jim Dark Magic appearing again with another spell called Jim's Glowing Coin. This is a second level enchantment spell where you throw two gold coins that act as the material component um, and you cause them to glow brightly and force all enemies within the 30-foot light to make a wisdom save or be distracted. What does distracted do? Well, it makes them roll disadvantage on both perception and initiative. Oh, oh. all right. Uh-huh, okay. right? Great. Well, let's go back to Tasha and away from Jim and talk about Tasha's Mind Whip. I love this spell. Tasha's Mind Whip is a second-level enchantment spell that lashes out at a creature up to 90 feet away to force an intelligence save or take 3d6 psychic damage and lose all of your reactions for the next turn. You don't get a reaction action anymore, okay? It also, on the target's next turn, it gets to do one of a move, a bonus, or a regular action, but only one. It has no. to choose. Do you move, do you do your bonus, or do you do your normal action? Now, if they succeed on that initial int save, they take half damage and have no additional effects on a successful save. However, higher levels of this let you target multiple creatures. Damn. Man, these yeah. are good spells. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's talk about a shitty one. Fast Friends. This is a third level enchantment spell that charms a single creature for an hour that will perform anything you ask of it as long as you ask nice. And it does specify you have to ask politely. Going outside of the NPC's desires or causing damage to them lets them reroll the wisdom save and they get advantage if you're fighting them 
or their friends. This is a third level charm person that does the exact same thing as charm person. Mm. But I, I have would, to be nice to them. But you have to be nice to them. This would be fantastic if you're playing DM, if the NPC doesn't like suffer like courtesies or anything. Like if they're typically not interested in this type yeah. of stuff, mm -hmm. it would be brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> also from Acquisitions Incorporated, you get the third level enchantment spell Incite Greed. I love this one because basically you just hold up a gem and it enthralls a group of people that you sh when you show them the gem. They just stare at the gem, um, completely focused on that. They get disadvantage on per uh, perception checks and whatnot. Really? It's great. Um, next is Intellect Fortress, which I keep on thinking is a literal fortress, but it is more of just a shield for your mind. This is a third level abjuration spell in Tashes, and what it does is it gives a willing creature resistance to psychic as well as advantage on all of your int wisdom or charisma saving throws okay also in tashes you get spirit shroud we've talked about this one before but basically what it does is you surround yourself with a shroud of spirits that is 10 feet around you it's a little aura what they do is they cause additional radiant or necrotic or cold damage your choice to any attack that you do within their 10 foot aura they also restrict healing for the next turn should they hit. And they also slow the movement of any creature in the aura by 10 feet, okay? There's also a full list of summon spells that we talked about on the Druid episode, but I'm just gonna go over them quickly with what they do now. You can summon one of three flavors of each of a Fey, Shadow Spawn, Undead, Aberration, Construct, Elemental, or Fiend. These are third, fourth, and sixth level conjuration spells, depends on which one you go with, except for the Undead, which is of course a necromancy spell, okay? Mm. Each of these different flavors that you could do of the three flavors have their own special attacks and abilities. You conjure forth when you summon these creatures to the realm to serve you, okay? And like many of these conjuration type spells, you use your bonus action to tell them what to do. And if you tell them to do nothing, they just stand there and defend. Okay. Mm -hmm. Let's move on to Tasha's Otherworldly Guys. This is, again, in Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. This is a six level bonus action transmutation spell that makes you take on the magical essence of the lower or upper planes. You also get wings, a bonus to AC, and it lets you use your casting stat for all weapon attacks. Well, you only get to attack once, you might say. No, no. This also lets you attack twice as if you had the extra action ability. Okay? This right. also gives you some fun themed resistances and immunities. Pretty great for a six level spell, hey? Yeah. That you cast as a bonus action, mind Love you. Love it. Mm. Love it. Cast this, move, <laughs> fuck something's <Yeah>. dead. <laughs> um, in Frost Maiden, we get another new spell that is called Create Megan? Majin? Create Megan? I don't create, know. Create Conjure Megan? Conjure Megan. <laughs> yeah. Just have someone here to look at you disappointed and burp at you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, what this spell does, she's going to hear this and murder me. <laughs> if I'm not on the next episode, you all know why. This is a 7th level transmutation spell that lets you spend 500 gold vial of Quicksilver and a human-sized doll that you then have to spill your own blood on as part of the ritual to create it. I mean... Um, to create a, what I guess we'll say Majin, because it's M-A-G-E-N. So it's Majin, Megan, I don't know. Right. Um, but what you do is you create one of these things. It's a new type of construct. What this does is lets you create one of three different types. It can't be Megan. One sure. is a lightning-infused caster. The other one is a martially-natured, like, fighter-type construct. And the other one, I think, is Megan. Uh, does psychic damage and uh, uh, is really charming. <laughs> <laughs> Megan's okay. lovely, yeah. Um, these Megans obey your every single word. Okay. So um, 
they follow you unquestioningly. So if you're an evil caster, if you're a good caster, they'll do whatever the fuck they you mm. tell them to. Sure. No hesitation. Sidekick with any, any of those pesky morals. Yeah, yeah, right? Next is Dream of the Blue Veil, which is a 7th level conjuration spell found in Tasha's that lets you and 8 friends dream yourselves to travel to another realm on the material plane for up to 6 hours. Finally, as a new wizard spell, we get the Blade of Disaster. We've covered it before, but what it does is it's a ninth level conjuration spell that summons a three foot long void blade that can make two melee spell attacks with the blade as a bonus action. Nothing can stop this blade from getting to you, not even a wall of force. It will get to you. If it hits you, it does 40, 12 force damage, but it crits on any dice of 18 and greater. So on an 18, 19, 20, it will crit, okay? Mm. <laughs> and if it crits, it will do three times damage, not two times damage. It will do 12d12 What force level is damage. this? It's a ninth level spell. Mm. All right, okay, okay, okay. You can move it and make it attack on your bonus action like a lot of the conjuration spells are. Wait, this is like steroid spiritual weapon. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was a lot of spells. Most of them jolly good, though. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of really, really good spells. I mean, wizards are widely regarded as one of the more powerful classes in D&D just because of their versatility. Yeah. Think of mind, yeah. you also can create spell scrolls to cast things from your spell book that you don't prepare. You are an innate ritual caster, so as long as you have some of these that are rituals, as long as you have them, you could just do them. You don't have to prepare them, right? I mean, yeah. they take 10 minutes, but if I'm creating Ma a Megan, it's, yeah... I'm going to do that as often yeah. as I can. Yeah. Ten minutes sounds really worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Take the ten. So the other thing that we get from Tasha's about Wizards, and with most classes, is you get some optional class features, okay? Well, Wizards get the one, and this is cantrip formulas. And basically what this does is lets you inscribe the arcane formulas of cantrips inside of your spell book. Whenever you take a long rest as a wizard, you can now, if you use this optional rule, replace one wizard cantrip you have with another from your spell book. Mm. Per long rest, one wizard cantrip. Now keep in mind, wizards have all of the cantrips. Yeah. Yeah. They have mold, earth, shape, water, fire, bolts. The only thing they don't really have is like guidance, resistance, and thaumaturgy. Like they just have the, they don't have the cleric or druid very cleric and yeah. druid specific ones, but they have everything else. Yeah. So this just shot the versatility of a wizard through the roof. And in fact, guys, I want to ask you. Sure. Do you allow this cantrip formulas rule? A four, four, and a ten. ten. Terry, you and I have to roll off. Okay. I got a nine. A natural one. So, Kyle, are you are you allowing wizards to change your cantrip every long rest? I'm going to have to go with a big old no. What, I, Kyle? I will give it to him every level, but not every long rest. No, I'm sorry. It's just, it's too good of an ability that isn't matched okay. by anybody else's. Like, all the other new subclasses, new subclass features in Tasha's are all, every time you get an ASI, right? Like, four levels, you can change a cantrip. Why do wizards get every long rest? Because they're the quintessential soul, uh, caster. Yeah, but they can suck it. <laughs> <laughs> and often do. Yeah. The thing is, you also get this, I should mention, at third level. Yeah. So you have to wait to third level to get the ability to do this. Mm. I see, like, it's good. And, you know, like, I can see where they're going with it. But I just think every long rest is a little too much. Right. For, I mean, like, they already have the spell versatility, right? And they can create spell scrolls and all that stuff. So I think they already have a lot of tools at their disposal. They don't really need to be able to change a cantrip every long rest. Terry, what do you think? 
I do agree with Kyle in what he's saying. However, based on what this game is, which is essentially these people are training so that eventually they can stop time, being able to adjust whatever minor little ability they have just because they got a little bit of rest, I think it seems quite realistic. Yeah, that, okay, like yeah. okay, you know, if you were to if you were to stop them, they're like, dude, have you seen the shit that I can do? This is not a big deal that I've decided not to do this anymore. What I would do is a mitigating because I kind of agree with both of you there. Um, what I would put in as a mitigating factor is these formulas aren't all immediately known by every wizard. You have to learn the formula, like you would have to learn any other spell. So right. yeah. cantrips are now. I, I like the fact that it says a formula. And I choose to believe it is a mathematical formula, like a an equation yeah. that then unlocks that ability. I like yeah. the blending of physics and magic. Like they yeah. really the way like we talk about the weave and stuff, it's it's as though magic is a part of physics in yeah. this world. Yeah. yeah. You One, understand the fabric of the world so yeah. well, right? Yeah. I would make my wizard, and I'm just I'm spitballing this as I'm sitting here. I would make my wizard roll at the end of every arc or whatever it is. Like I would encourage a situation with my wizard where they get to roll an arcana check once per long rest or once per week of in-game time or whatever that is to add or discover or unlock a cantrip of their choice. So they come to me and be like, hey, I know I just unlocked Mold Earth last week, okay? This week I'm working on the secrets of subtle manipulation of molecules in the air to create a, a hard light reflection of an image. So I'm going to spend this next week studying how to create major image or, or sorry, minor image yeah. or minor illusion, right? Fuck. I know it's one of those three that gives your wizard. Okay. I've now set the DC for one week. Your character will work on unlocking minor illusion. And when you get it, it is now in your spell book and you could go. And I would give him, when I give him a spell book, I would give him other spells. Like this guy has multiple formulas and now you could roll an int check or an arcana check to determine what that formula does to then add it to your spell book. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I like that. Like add some role play, add some flavor yeah. uh, to it to... At least make it make sense. Add the add the cost of time, right? Yeah, to yeah, it, that's and like, then there should be it. some sort of cost. Yes, whether yeah. it's time or whatever. But wizards are a great um, class to do that with because there's a lot involved in what they do, and I don't think we dive deep enough into that. If mm. there is a wizard player on the earth that says, "No, nah, man, I don't want to have to do the study and research to cast my spells," you're playing the wrong class. Yes, yeah, be a this, sorcerer. Be a sorcerer. Be a warlock. Be a friggin' paladin like yeah. <laughs> figure it out be a druid and just get your elemental powers from nature yeah right yeah. i'm doing wizard next i am i've decided I'm I'm, going I, funny enough so am i i kind of want to do a wizard, wizard. too now those weren't words okay yeah. <laughs> i didn't read them it's fine no no no, okay. no, no. i meant out loud all right happy holidays and merry chrysler uh yes happy merry ho 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 and stuff from the It's a Mimic podcast. Group of people. And the folks. You guys are the fucking worst. <laughs> You're so good at this. Will you please just do a regular commercial? <laughs> this is not that. It's like nine words. Uh, I, uh, that was nine words. <laughs> no, I'm going to do it in nine words. <laughs> Merry Christmas from us. Stay safe. Don't 
be stupid. Was that nine? That was that nine. nine. Oh. Good enough. Um. <laughs> All right, guys. So we have two subclasses in a bit to cover here. I don't. So I want you two to just go ahead, grab your dice and roll for initiative and we'll figure out which arcane tradition we are covering today. My little right. pink one against your little purple one, Kyle. Name your sex day. Yes! <laughs> that might be my 18. favorite one, yeah. I got a five. I Thusly, guess. Kyle goes first. I am going first, all right. Uh, so today I'm going to be talking about blade singing. Um, the quote from Tasha's is, when faced with the endless onslaught of magical possibilities, many wizards suffer from identity crises. Some overcome, some break, and some become sword bards. <laughs> well, the rest of those nerd wizards were nose deep. That's such a nerd dad. <laughs> That's the best ever. He's had genuine enjoyment from that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, if you are not getting genuine enjoyment from the term sword bard, yeah. seek yeah. help. You're wrong. <laughs> it's funny. It I'm is allowed funny. to laugh. But it's just funny because there's the you have to have I know everybody who listens to the podcast understands D and D and stuff, but it's one of the if he just said that down the street, nobody yeah. would have batted an eye. Yeah. <laughs> well the rest of those nerd wizards were nose deep in books looking at you, order of scribes. I love this girl. Yeah. I wish she was real. <laughs> Blade singers were studying the sword. Originally an elven tradition, it has expanded to all races and creeds. These magic-wielding swashbucklers channel their power into stunning and savage strikes and beautiful yet powerful defenses. It is said to be quite the performance. Uh, originally found in Sword Coast Adventures Guide, Tasha's has updated this class a little, uh, primarily getting rid of the elf-only restriction and fiddling around with the blade-singing ability a little bit. I'm going to go into their abilities. At level 2, you get training in war and song, giving you proficiency with light armor and a single-handed melee weapon and the performance skill if you don't already have it. I really like this. I really, really do like this because yeah. it, it is explicitly a single, one-handed melee weapon. Yeah. Which is implying, because you're a wizard, you don't get shields, your other hand is free. Why is your other hand free? You gotta cast the spells, bitches. Yeah. You need to do the somatic component. So you get your sword out, and then you cast the spells. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> do the little wiggly. Do the little wiggly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I know you've talked a lot about your love of magic and swords. Too. Yes. Like, this oh, seems I, like I'm, your ideal class. I am a major fan of a sword-slinging, spell-slinging uh, hero character. Yeah. Like, uh, the term is a gish character, and I fucking love him, man. A gish? What's gish? Gish. So, gish is the term that is for a, like spell casting warrior so if you have swords and you walk into melee but also have like full level casting you are a gish class you are a someone who could swing a sword well and cast spells mm. it's fairly power gamey yeah but, but different yeah. to like a hexblade warlock like not no hexblade warlocks are a gishy class oh yeah, yeah. Okay. okay yeah uh, level two also brings you Blade Song, uh, an elven magic that abuse upon you, the Blade Singer, unrivaled speed, agility, and focus, which is coincidentally also what I think alcohol does to me when I've been drinking. Spoiler alert, though, it does not. <laughs> uh, you can activate this with a bonus action, and it lasts for one minute, provided you don't uh, don medium armor, uh, heavy armor, a shield, employ a two-handed weapon strike, or dismiss it as a free action. While in this mode, you gain a bonus to AC equal to your intelligence modifier, minimum of plus one, 
10 feet of extra movement speed, advantage on acrobatics checks, and gain a bonus to constitution saving throws in order to maintain concentration on a spell, equal to your intelligence modifier. Again, a minimum of plus one. This feature can be used a number of times, equal to your proficiency bonus, and you get all uses back after a long rest. Tashes has nerfed this ability a little bit from the original Skag version. Good. Um, yeah. <laughs> the Skag one was like, I had a Blade Singer. Yeah. OP? And, and, oh, he dominated. It was like, it was a battle between him and the Gloom Stalker or Horizon Walker Rangers. One of the, yeah. one of the ones where they just like, it, one of the two of them would end a combat round one. Yeah. One of them would activate this and then just be a beast in everything. And the other one would just blow up an encounter before it started. Like, mm. I'm happy they nerfed it. This is still powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you combine the whatever. Let's say you got plus three to intelligence. So you get plus three to your AC. And then you also double it with shield. Like, you're walking into battle and just Well, I mean, think about it. You, you, have, you have studded leather armor plus your base decks, right? Yeah. So you're probably walking around with an armor of 14. An AC mm. of 14. You get this. You had the plus three. Now you have an AC of 17. You cast shield. You have an AC of 22. You're a fucking wizard with an AC of 22. Yeah. And you're casting a fucking fireball on something. <laughs> yeah. Like, come on. But on top of that, like, you also get that bonus to your concentration checks. Yeah. You also get... Uh, so I put haste on myself as well. And so I'm just, you know, I yep. get the plus 2 AC for that. I'll and go then, make a cup of tea and yeah. come back for my turn. Yeah, yeah. pretty yeah. much. 20 yeah. minutes. Meanwhile, your fighter's going, all right, well... Uh, yeah, and your fighter's yeah. going, I hit him? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> your barbarian's like, I'm still raging. Just let me know yeah, if I'm, I'm still, still mad raging in the corner. If anybody needs me, I'll be mad in the corner. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so the original Skag version, uh, where you got the uses back after a short rest as well. Right. Yeah, no, that's rough. I like the long rest. I mean, it, it's limited to proficiency modifier, which grows slowly, but it's... Yeah, no, you're still a fucking ninth level spellcaster. Yeah. Like, don't forget, you are a wizard when you are doing this yeah. class. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, sixth level gets you an extra attack, a la fighters, pallies, and barbs, uh, with the exception of you can also cast a cantrip instead of using a weapon attack for one of those. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Yeah. Tenth level gets you Song of Defense, whereby using your reaction and expending a spell slot, you reduce damage equal to five times the spell slot's level. Uh, finally, Song of Victory comes at level 14, and that lets you add your intelligence modifier, again, minimum of plus one, to your melee weapon damage while you are in Blade Song. So, it's another little boost. <laughs> so, what makes this uh, subclass unique? Well, obviously, it's the hacking and slashing aspect, and it is great for multi-classing, in my opinion. I think you could... Like, mix it with a lot of things. Yeah. My first thought was Hexblade Warlock, but also Artillerist Artificer would be great. Rogue, Ranger, whatever, man. There's so many combos you could do with this. Fucking fighter. Fucking, like, anything but a barbarian. Yeah. Right? And even a wild magic barbarian might work. But, like, it's it's one of those things where you don't need to... You invoke Elven Magic to enter your Blade Song. Yeah. That doesn't mean you can't do that when you're a barbarian. Yeah. So you rage and have your Blade Song... At the same just time. sounds like absolute chaos. Yeah. Just do it. Yeah. Just, just, just havoc. Well, it, it, interpretive dance done the orc way. You're just like stomping <laughs> around, slapping way. your great axe mm. around and make... Well, no, you can't use great axe with this, but like mm -hmm. slapping your long sword around one-handed. Don't use two. It's not yeah. versatile when you're blade singing. Like, oh man, like I... 
I love the blade singer. Literally, this was going to be my next character. Was a blade singing. Yeah, yeah. it'd be uh, a lot of fun. It would be. Um, Kyle, I got to do mine after this, so don't like big it up too much because everyone's getting really excited. <laughs> okay, so there's um, there's there's always so got to be a wet blanket yeah. in every episode. Honestly, I think the scribe one is pretty good too. Well, don't ruin the surprise no, either. Yeah, dick. I won't. Well, how about? No, how I about, don't even have that. Yeah. <laughs> how about this? Let's grab our dice. Let's talk individually. Let's figure out: is there a race or class or background that synergizes well with this? I got an eight. I, got I had like four. an eleven, and then yeah. Kyle knocked me onto a four. Well, so now we have to roll. You can keep the eleven. That's fine. That's not it's how fine. it works. That's not how we do it. No, I know how, how badly you want to talk. So I mean, I don't. <laughs> Two. <laughs> I know what I did. I know what I, the people at home don't know. <laughs> okay, so for me, what stats or race or background clearly synergizes well with this? I mean, elf, right? Yeah. I, I play something with a high dex, right. and you're and you're laughing, but because they've taken away that restriction of elf, which does fit this so very well, any elf will be great here. Yeah, I'm I'm rolling a half orc one of these guys, yeah. just like. <laughs> Somebody like a wizard with high strength, yeah. right? And and just walking into a fight with like my robes, my book out, and then someone goes, "All right, now we're gonna challenge that guy to a fight." You know, yeah, that, yeah, and he's like, "All right, let's do this shit." And pulls out his longsword. All right, I'm ready. Yeah, right. Like that. I just love that. Uh, it's like and, watching an orc do ballet, which is a hilarious mental image. Yeah. Um. The other thing, folk hero. Mm-hmm. All of your major like protagonists, like this is a, legend. Fa- like, yeah. this is a legendary level of, of shit, right? So, you're a folk hero, right? Don't go outlander. You're boring. Don't go fucking sailor or smuggler or fucking acolyte. You're yeah. boring. Don't go sage. You're boring. Be a folk <laughs> hero. Be one of these guys as a haunted one or yeah, that's a what I was thinking. guild artisan or something like really, really. Use your background to give you a lot of flavor around this. Because, again, remember, you're still a ninth level fucking spellcaster. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you got so much going for you with this. Mm-hmm. Who's next? Kyle. Kyle. Uh, that would be me. Uh, I mean, honestly, I think it would depend on what you're going to do with it. I Obviously, you want to go for any race that has an addition to intelligence or dex. Uh, so, I mean, variant human, gnome. Gnome would be kind of fun. I was thinking those. gnome, yeah. yeah. Fire, gensai, and then elf, obviously, too. But, you know, and if you're going to go into multiclassing, variant human, if you're allowed it. Yeah. Would also be good, too. Right? Yeah. Uh, I like gnome. I like gnome. I like the small but mighty type feel, and I think this is going to be. I'm going to record that, and that's going to be my new ringtone. Yeah, that's the name. Of your I'm test trying date. new things, Dan. I'm trying new things. I've moved back into the big city. I'm open. I'm three years of having you just like shit on me for playing a gnome, and here you are. You like gnome for this? Hey man, man look, that. I'm a new man. All right, okay. I'm changing <laughs> some things. I'm trying to be more. I'm, I moved back to Vancouver, so I'm trying to go closer to. So I'm trying to be more open-minded now. <laughs> Now that I'm not living like a redneck anymore. Uh, I feel that Gnome I like, but I would. I, a couple of the backgrounds you said you wouldn't do, I might lean into it for the legendary purpose. If I might do something like Sailor, I might go for like the like the uh, Pirates of the Caribbean Blackbeard type feel. Sure, like, yeah. You know, I might lean into that. Or like some sort of legendary like soldier or mm. something. I like um, Gladiator as well for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Gladiator yeah. could work just fine. Yeah, yeah. Entertainer. I mean, yeah. just fits nicely. Like a well-fitting glove. It's, uh, mm. What it does is it sparks inspiration across a lot of things, right? You don't feel like you're you're uh, you're being railroaded down a particular way. You feel like you can use this in a lot of different backgrounds. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what about any oversights or weaknesses in here? Do you guys see any of them? For me, you mentioned multiclassing, and I'm with you 100%, because this 14th level ability... That lets you add your intelligence modifier to melee weapon attacks. 
only while your blade song is active is kind of weak. Yeah. I would rather uh, like four levels of fighter instead of that would be good. You're giving up on some spell slots, but it's making you focus a little bit more on your fighting capabilities with this. Um, leaving your blade song to be something that is summoned forth in uh, moments of heightened anxiety during battle, right? Like right. If you're just doing that one-off combat encounter versus two Tyrannosaurus Rexes, then oh, fuck it, maybe not. But you're doing that end battle against the Demi Lich. Yeah. yeah, 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 man. I'm 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 a blade song you to death. Yeah, right. But Song of Victory doesn't doesn't really hit home for me there. Like it does. It's not enough of a. It's a it's a perfectly fine ability, especially for a wizard. But it's not enough of an ability to hold me to the class, mm-hmm. right? So I would look at going into another full caster, even just so I don't lose my spell levels. Yeah. When I multi-class, if not, I mean you're you're not going wrong with fighter or something when you're doing this. What do you think, Kyle? Any weaknesses here? Honestly, not really. I mean, I think it's got a lot of playability into it, right? Like you got the melee, and then you also have the full setup of wizard spells, so yeah. you can go in any direction. You are pretty much fit for anything to do anything. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think the weakness for me is that it may cause some resentment at the table. You know, it may be one of those uh, those character builds where. Yeah, the fighter is like, well, what the what the fuck am I here for then? Or mm-hmm. you know, you're you're taking away from the other classes or their role at the table when you're dipping so heavily into either side of uh, yep. arcane or martial. Yeah, I mean, if if you stand there and you can almost go toe to toe with the fighter in melee combat, and then almost go toe to toe with the sorcerer in spellcasting, mm-hmm. and then almost go toe to toe with the rogue with the versatility, and and almost get up to the ranger with survivability. Yeah. Like you are coming close to just being a party all on your own. Yeah. Like I'm Mm. not about that. I need the limelight all of the time or something, but you like to feel that when it's your turn, people are, when a specific need is needed, people are looking to you like, Oh, this is obviously you. I don't enjoy it so much when they're going, oh, it's obviously you, but actually, no, you could probably do it as well. That makes sense if you do it. Because yeah. then it's like, well, this guy could do everything. So what <laughs> the fuck? Yeah. Well, one of the powerful things about this I want to mention as well is it scales with proficiency modifier, not class. Right. Mm. So it lends towards multi-classing. Yeah. Right? So if you are playing a Bladesinger bard, you are doing everything right. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like... Your blade singing will only get more powerful. You get... I would probably go... Uh, Glamour's a good bard subclass. Maybe... Oh, shit. A, a Valor bard or a mm-hmm. uh, College of Swords bard yeah. Yeah. with this guy. Like, it just makes sense, man. Like, mm-hmm. I, I I really like all of those little uh, flavors there. But the one thing I think everyone's going to miss is not only do you get to attack during your attack action... You could spend one of those actions to cast a cantrip, which scales for character level, yeah, not yeah. class level. So you're hitting somebody with a long sword that does a D8 plus, I don't know, 10 because of magic item and intelligence and strength modifier. But then you're also hitting them with a firebolt that's going to do 3D10 damage at that level on that turn. Right. Mm. Right? You're just doing so much damage on top of having a 22 AC and remember yeah, remember you could cast cantrips. Good why they got rid of the short rest ability to get Blade Song back, right? Yeah. That at least keeps Limits the guy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 
Well, Terry, what do we got for the Order of Scribe? Yeah, I'm ready to... Uh, I know what this this uh, subclass is going to sound like it should be, but I'm ready to shake it up a little bit with this one. Cool. Okay, so the Order of Scribes is essentially wizards that have uh, dedicated themselves to furthering the knowledge of mankind and all of the other kinds that we have out there and recording the great discoveries of magic. Uh, and so that has become their dedication. So among wizards, the Order of Scribes is, is the most bookish, bookish. It takes many forms in different worlds, but its primary mission is the same everywhere, recording magical discoveries so that the wizardry can flourish. And while all wizards value spellbooks, a wizard in the Order of Scribes magically awakens their book, turning it into a trusted companion. All wizards study books, but a wizardly scribe talks to theirs. And so they have some very interesting abilities that I'll go through here with you. So at second level, you get your wizardly quill. It's going to sound a little bit Harry Potter for a second here, Kyle. Just yeah. bear with me on this, okay? Which means that as a bonus action, you can magically produce a tiny quill. There's no ink required, but it writes in any color that you choose. And when you are writing in your spell book to write spells in there, it's two minutes per spell level. And you can erase anything you write while the spell book is within five feet of you. And you can do that as a bonus action. Okay. Dan? You're, the, the, you're this is just the the nerdiest nerd that ever knew. Yeah, I'm wondering like, why it was assigned what, to me. What? <laughs> <laughs> just, As though I would appreciate this. Yeah. Going, when are you going to blow something up? Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, they're not going to. Yeah. Uh, also at second level, you get your awakened spell book. So while holding your awakened spell book, an awakened spell book, by the way, is a is a spell book which now has sentience to it. You've essentially, you've, you've awakened it. Yeah. Honestly, um, that sounds awesome. I kind of want one. Yeah, and you can use this uh, Awakened Spellbook as an arcane focus. You can change the damage type of a spell to that of another spell you know, the caveat being the spell must be of the same level as the spell slot expended when you do that. Um, and once per long rest, you can cast a ritual spell with a regular casting time of that spell. Okay. Nobody's too excited so far. That's why I'm <laughs> looking around the room here. I'll try this one for you, Dan. At sixth level, you get Manifest Mind. So as a bonus action, you can create a spectral mind in the form of an object. So think of like a book or, or like a text. I think they suggested like some sort of mentor or something as well. And you can do that in an, in an unoccupied space up to 60 feet away. But the spectral mind does not occupy that space. It does shed dim light in a 10-foot radius. It can hear and see. Um, and has dark vision up to 60 feet. And telepathically, you can share what it hears and sees. You can cast spells from its space instead of your own, and then you can do that a number equal to your proficiency modifier. As a bonus action, you can move it up to 30 feet, and it can pass through creatures but not objects. It stops manifesting once it goes past 300 feet, or if you die, you can dismiss it as a bonus action, and, and you can conjure this once per long rest or by using any spell slot after you've done it once within your long rest. Okay. A tenth level. Master... Oh, this is a word I don't know. Master Scrivener. Dan? Yep. Yeah, Scrivener. Yeah. Yeah. A word that I've never heard ever. It don't, Kyle's nodding along as though he's heard the word yeah, Scrivener. Yeah, I before. have. Where did you hear the word I Scrivener? I read a lot of fantasy books. Okay, okay, okay. okay. I'll yeah. let you off with that. Uh, Master Scrivener. Um, so you touch your, your wizardly quill um, to a scroll to transfer one spell from your spell book to that scroll. And you can do this once per long rest and the spell book must be within five feet of you. And this is with first or second level spells with a casting time of one action. 
Spells on the scroll are now one level higher as well. Oh, wow. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. As an action, you read the scroll to cast the spell. Only you are able to read the scroll and the spell vanishes when cast or after a long rest. So you can't hoard these. They will yeah, okay. go away after a long rest. You can also half the time and gold required for crafting spell scrolls if you use your wizarding quill. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty good. Well, okay. So that was the 10th level ability and the best I've gotten so far. That's pretty good. Yeah. Well, okay. I, I kind of got lost. It, it is should come to no surprise that the Order of Scribes breakdown in Tashes is the wordiest, most convoluted it is. mess of rules. Yeah. And it makes sense. You're playing a bookish nerd. You need to be a bookish nerd to understand it. Sure. Right? The quill is kind of womp womp. Okay, you get, a, you get a pen that writes for you. Well, let me do the last one. Let's do the last one. Then I'll get your opinions. I know know you're rife with opinions right now. At 14th level, you get one with the word. So your soul becomes entwined with your awakened spellbook. So while on your person, while your spellbook is on your person, you have advantage on all arcana checks. And while using your manifest mind ability and taking damage, you can use your reaction to dismiss your manifested mind and negate all of that damage. You then roll 3d6 and lose spells of your choice with a combined spell level of the number rolled or higher. So if you roll 3d6 and you get nine, three third level spells, it would be the cost or however you want to construct it. It And that's just to avoid, like straight up avoid all damage. That's the cost to avoid Mm -hmm. all damage. Okay. But if you do not have enough spells to cover that cost, you immediately drop to zero hit points. Okay. You can't cast these spells on scrolls or finding them or otherwise until you have completed 1d6 long rest. You can only use this ability once per long rest as well. It's terrible. I hate that. That yeah. has so many negatives. Too. Yeah. <laughs> Compared to Kyle, which is <laughs> yeah. just your freaking Dr. Just so many. Yeah, right? Yeah. Here's the thing, okay? I like the order of scribes. No, okay, the frickin' let's let's do this. We're gonna roll dice first and we're gonna talk about this. Okay. We're gonna add some clarity here. So we're gonna decide who gets to shit talk it first. Yeah, pretty much. Uh so first, before we shit talk it, let's figure out what race, what class, what it, something works well with this. Okay. I got a 17. Eight. I got a five. Apparently I'm going first on every question. Um, okay, so anything with an int bonus. Yes. Yeah. Anything that leads itself towards a long life of isolationism and bookishness then yes right so i'm thinking again elves makes sense like especially a tolkien elf i'm thinking some dwarves would be good with this but any long-lived high int race would be great here i'll also uh, accept some ambitious gnomes or uh humans in this mix okay as for backgrounds i said go against the grain for the blade singer Go with the grain. You're a sage. You're an acolyte. You're 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 one of these ones that gives you bonus languages and bonus bonus knowledge skills. So your arcana, your religion, whatever it is, right? If there is something about the background that leads towards you just want to spend all of your time researching shit, congratulations, that's the one you're going with, right? Mm. This is not your Indiana Jones level of wizard. That's not what this guy is. I, I, I At least I don't think so. You have to go above and beyond and out of your way to create that with this guy. I don't think it's impossible to create that kind of character with him. But it's, I don't know, man. Like, you lean toward the trope on this guy right. is what I'm recommending. Mm-hmm. Right. right. Kyle, you're next. Uh, the first one that came into my mind was Vidalkin. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hundred percent. Right? Like, yeah, pretty much, Ravnica is where I kind of saw this character fitting in. Like a Simic scientist, uh, is it engineer? Sage is also a good one. Um, 
Yeah. Also, just researcher. Right. Yeah. Hermit might work with this as well. Hermit yeah. could work. Yeah. You cloistered scholar. Oh, 100. Yeah. 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 I see it more as an NPC than a player character. Yeah, I agree. Right? I forced myself to go completely the other way, and I didn't think long life because I want. I think this is suited to somebody a race that would have that sense of urgency. I think this is human. This is that sense of urgency, like you need that knowledge now. It's important. And I was getting inspirations for like like Dan Brown, like Robert Langdon type character. Okay. You're running around, you're getting a bit beaten up, but there's a sense of urgency to get to get that puzzle solved. Because the elves, they don't have a rush for this type of stuff. But humans were innately ambitious and we're constantly trying to find the truth and advance ourselves. Cool. We have vaulting ambition. I like that, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Alright. So that's what I was leaning into for that. So the background I think would be uh Ah, uh, see, I don't know. Because of that, I think you could make, you know what, probably hermit. Because you're not going to have many friends, and you're going. It's going to be a lonely life if you're off doing this stuff. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I the, the when you mentioned that, I think Doc Brown from Back to the Future. Yeah, that very much oh, is yeah. one okay. of these guys. Yeah, right. There you go. I get yeah. Yeah. Um, let's let's talk about the good things about the class before we talk about the oversights and weaknesses. What are to you guys are the strengths of this class? Including role-playing. For me, every group needs that one guy who researches and figures out the message behind the whole thing, right? Who really needs to dig deep into the lore of the world or the lore of what's going on to find that additional nugget of information that will help you end the last boss. Every group needed that. Mm -hmm. Terry... When I joined your guys' group initially, we've talked about this before on the podcast, sure. this was a group of five people right. that had all of the resources at hand to solve some of the mysteries they were going through actively. They had everything they needed at hand that said explicitly, the bad guy is blank, right? And I joined the campaign playing a paladin warlock who was high int. He liked to research. He liked information. So I played kind of this level of, he was he was a hermit. He was a nerd who just liked diving into the mystery of things. And that type of character class is what you need. Because I was the one who went to Adam was like, you got this weird Bible thing. Let me read it. And I read it, found out that chick was the bad guy. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, the goddess of death is the bad guy. It says so here. Here's her symbols. And everyone around the table went... Oh, we should have read that a while ago. That would have been so helpful. <laughs> Do you know what we call that? When I was in the army, we used to refer to a neighboring country of ours with American accents as having all the gear, no idea. And yeah. that's exactly what it was with our DT group. Oh, all yeah. of the resources, absolutely no idea how to use it properly. <laughs> well, the, Just I mean, blasting shit constantly. To be honest, the party was a fighter, a barbarian, a ranger, and a monk. There wasn't yeah. a lot of like, and like a very melee focused monk. Like there wasn't a lot of, hey, let's sit down and Read yeah, no, yeah. Can we stop shooting for a second and try and figure out a plan? Full auto. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Kyle? What are the strengths of this class? Um, I mean, I really like the ability to cast rituals as a regular spell. Yeah. Right? Like in the right scenarios, that is an incredibly powerful ability. Also, and this is what I was going to mention earlier, you get the ability to change the damage type yeah. of your spell as yeah. long as it's the same level. That's huge. That is huge. Your fireball is now a lightning ball. I love that. Right? I saw a meme today actually that said, uh, you know, a bludgeoning fireball. So, because there's uh, crushing earth, I think the name yeah. of the spell. Yeah. And it does, yeah. Yes. Yes. Piercing. Yeah. Grenade. Yeah, right? Like, there's a lot of subtle, t uh, subtle things to the this this subclass that 
are immensely powerful. You just need to break them down before you realize, oh shit, that's what that means. Yeah. Right? So the, the ability to cast a ritual that you don't have prepared mm-hmm. as its standard action cast. Yeah. Right? Sure, man. Like, that, that's, in, that's intense. That's huge. Yeah. That gives you such versatility, especially with the amount of ritual spells wizards get. Yeah. And you can cast it through your intelligence thing right mm-hmm. yeah you can peek around a corner with its dark vision your and manifested mind yeah yeah oh shoot oh i want to i want to think about like what the what the possibilities of that are like a, a summon balor spell or something like yeah. like use one of these new summon spells mm-hmm. and just like okay you have a standard action around a corner with that guy like just a floating face comes in and goes gotcha <laughs> and there's a demon yeah like, yeah it's great Terry, what about powers? What are, what are the, what is the powerful thing about this? Like, what's a good thing about this subclass? You now have a a reason why you can take a little bit of damage, or not take damage, but uh, negate damage, right? Yeah. That that uh, that manifested mind ability uh, will be very strong because you are squishy as mm-hmm. a wizard. So having the option to negate some of that damage because or all of that damage because the wizard is always going to be the target at higher level play. You know, that you're not fighting ogres anymore at that point. It, that, that the wizard is going to be the target. And if you can stand up to that for and get an extra round in, that's going to be very valuable. Yeah. yeah all right. Also, think of the versatility of Spell Scroll. Yeah. Cre- yeah. Creation, right? The fact that it's now half the cost with half the time for you. There were feats in 3.5 and older editions that let you basically take half the time on it. To the point where we had one wizard who just... He never really used his spells. He just cast from scrolls every round right right because right. he just had so many this guy kind of lets you do that yeah right so and you may as well just do it every single time because you essentially just get a free level yeah in a spell yeah. why wouldn't you do it yeah you <laughs> right? just you would just do it every, for, as soon as you woke up before you brushed your teeth i'm doing that okay what are the oversights and weaknesses it's wordy as shit yeah it's hard to parse you need to take some time and sit down with your DM very specifically to figure out what everything means here. Right. Right? Um, the role play opportunity of the spectral spirit thing that you get is great. Um, especially, like you mentioned, as an offhand comment, you can make it one of your old mentors. Mm. That's amazing. I'm 100% on board of that. Or Terry did. I, I don't know who said it. But I love that. But there's so much here that is about outside of combat shit. Yeah. That it's exploration heavy. It's yeah. very exploration heavy, and that is a weak pillar in D anD. d Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if I am the DM for one of these guys, I'm making sure I'm putting in a little bit more f- mystery. I'm putting in something that's going to require the nerding out over lore to solve. That, and I'm going to have to put that in that extra work in to the campaign because this guy here is playing a class specifically devoted to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Put it in your campaigns. When yeah. you're exploration heavy, it's a thankless job, right? It's everybody is congratulating the paladin for critting and smiting at the same time, but nobody's saying thanks to the ranger who got you there in half the time and avoided the earthquake or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a thankless job, and it's uh, it's not for new players. Not at all. I mean, go nuts if it interests you as a new player, but I think it's going to be challenging if you're trying to wrap your head around the game in general and you're mm-hmm. trying to play this character. Okay, friends, so don't forget to follow along with our social media accounts as well. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and r slash It's a Mimic on Reddit. If you have questions or inquiries, somebody will read it if you email info at itsamimic.com, and that is where you can send us those mailbag questions as well. Okay, guys, last rule of the day. I want to know a character build for 
these wizard subclasses we have discovered today. So let's grab okay. the dice and let's roll. Got a 16. Four. Oh, 18. Oh, I nice. I haven't rolled over Dan five all night. I you, don't know. you haven't. No, I think it's because you grabbed the pink dice. Yeah, I, that, I, that's it. I think you yeah. did, but then I hit your dice and it knocked you down. Yeah, you okay. got an 11 and then it got knocked down to a four. Yeah. Yes. Kyle's yeah. cock blocking my dice. <laughs> all night. So uh, what do you got? Uh, so my custom build uh, would be a variant human arterialist artificer and bladesong wizard. I take a plus two to dex and intelligence, give myself a one-handed force ballista, and I would tear through chumps like Kleenex at a snot party. What the <laughs> fuck was that? Okay, no, I'm, I'm sorry. We're going to stop everything with the pot. Tear through, tear through chumps like Kleenex Next. at a snot party. Yeah. That's terrible. Why aren't you writing our episode titles? Okay. Uh, first of all, that is not mine. I stole that from Simpsons. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Just take ownership of it. Yeah. It's good. I love how you went for an unpopular show when nobody would recognize it. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't, but yeah. Oh, that's amazing, man. Yeah, no, I love that. Oh. I take the guild artisan background, and my backstory would be that I was a, a born a blacksmith's son, and so and so I toiled for many years, crafting the finest armor our city uh, had for adventurers from all over. I dreamed of going out on my own one day, but my father would never hear of it. Always, I felt this incredible envy for the, of adventurers I outfitted. Longing for the chance to don my own work and strike out into the world and find my own fame and fortune. One day, my chance came with a mercenary group. I snuck out one morning to join up and never looked back. That's awesome, man. That's really, really Fuck good. You, Kyle. I gotta, this is the, the second time <laughs> we tonight have to follow I'm going to follow now. this up. <laughs> okay, well, for me, because I am going next, Terry. Let, let, me, okay. let me soften the blow here for you. Um, for me, I name of my sex tape. Um, <laughs> I, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so that's the sequel. Go on, Dad. I'll let you do it. I'll let you do it. I'll let you do it. So for me, um, I'm I'm leaning into the blade singing performance of it, and Bard, right? It, it works so well, and you don't need to go past a, not even tenth level. Like you get up to sixth level, mm-hmm. and then just go Bard, and yeah. you're fine. Right, you could do wonders with this class because um, the the song of defense is great, but eh, it's kind of f to me. Um, five times spell level spent to chop some damage. It doesn't really hit me that hard. So I I really like the idea of this guy with um, not even a college of swords, a college of valor, but go college of lore. You are a wizard. You're still a nerd. You're still the guy who's going to want want to know that information. And the magical secrets that you get with College of Lore, the cutting words, really lend into it. And I'm going gnome, right? Go for it. I'm and, and just with a rapier, little mouthy gnome who is just smarter than you, and he wants you to know that he's smarter than you in any given situation, right? Mm-hmm. And like you could really lean into that with a sage background, or I would go entertainer. I would go folk hero with him and create something big. For the Order of Scribes, mix it with Knowledge Domain Cleric. You really want to lead sure. into it, right? Yeah. And multi-class because you don't, like, honestly, Order of Scribes is definitely a full-class wizard. You want the full ability of your book and your quill. They level up with you, so let's get to that max level. But if you are going to multi-class at least a little bit, dropping two levels to Knowledge Domain Gives you some additional languages, some additional proficiencies, and the ability to read thoughts. So mm. why not? Right. All right. I love it. Two yeah. good builds. 
What do you got, Terry? I'm going to go with Order of Scribes for mine. I'm going to stick with what I talked about earlier, which is taking human because for flavor, I want that sense of urgency. And what I want here is a human who is, is heavily religious, but as a scientific character. A person who believes that their calling is to discover the truth behind the gods and the universe and does not believe that they're mutually exclusive. That uh, there is a link there and they follow the sentiment that discovering the truth of God or the gods would be the greatest scientific discovery ever. But there is urgency because there is so much knowledge that needs to be found and there is so little time. That is so yeah, awesome. You it. were afraid of following up yeah. Kyle with that? That's amazing, man. Yeah. Thank you, Dan. Thanks for your... that. You gave me a little funny feeling in my stomach there where you no said worries. that. No, people are not nice to me very often. <laughs> <laughs> so Honestly, I really like that. Um, Terry, there is a book I need you to read when you have a year because it is a thick book. It is called The Cleric Quintet. It is a series of books by R.A. Salvatore about a cleric named Catterley. It is written in the Forgotten Realms, so it's all within what we're doing here. Okay. But Catterley is a cleric of Denier, who is the god of like research and knowledge and stuff. His holy symbol is a candle on a little candle sure. holder yeah. thing. Yeah. And what you described just now is Catterley. Oh, excellent. Right? He is a highly powerful cleric, and with when this was written... That often meant like some ability to cast fire spells and, and destructive magics as well. Cleric wasn't just restorative. And he is out there to uh, learn as much as he can. All he wants to do is learn and get as much information in about the world and specifically the gods as he can before his time's done because he is a human. Yeah. And like the story of him and, and the fact that he surrounds himself with elves and dwarves who are all long lived. Right? Like tragic. It, oh, it is. His best friend's a squirrel that talks to him. It's great. <laughs> I love it. So um, I'm out. <laughs> and lost area. Yeah. No, uh, the, the squirrel's a gigantic asshole if that helps. Okay. Yeah. Back in. Back in. <laughs> Back, in. <laughs> Back in. I am the squirrel. So guys, do we have any other inspirations here about wizards with these spells, with with anything we've learned today, are, are you liking where wizards are sitting now in the stage of 5th edition that we're in? I am liking it because I feel like we're pulling away more and more from the Dumbledore-style wizard. And I felt like we were getting the same 3 to 5 tropes a lot. And this is giving us reasons to be more creative with wizards. And uh, and there's a, there's a couple of really great subclasses there for different reasons. So, yeah, yeah I, I like it. Yeah, yeah. Kyle? Uh, I do too. I like how... The two subclasses in Tasha's are so diametrically opposed. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Like yeah. they're yin and yang yeah. from each other. Yeah. All right. Uh, I like that. I like that it gives you that much choice. Now I want to play a wizard. No. Yeah. Right? These class episodes always do that to me. They always make me want to play the class we're covering. Yeah, no. Except oddly, druids. Well, we Got said that. we won't shit on druids anymore. The three druids out there are gonna be so <laughs> mad. <laughs> all, all three of them, huh? you're being generous. So that's all for this discussion on wizards for now. We've got a lot more ground to cover with lots of other classes and subclasses. So subscribe or follow and check back regularly to see what inspirations and insights we'll have for you in the future. Next week, we'll be wrapping up the issue that's been brewing in the back of our minds, hags. Thanks for listening to another episode of It's a Mimic podcast. If you'd like to support us, we have a donate button on our website, itsamimic.com, as well as a store for some of our awesome merch. We also rely on word of mouth to get the news of the podcast out there to the community. So please pass the word to everyone you know and that we're available on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube, as well as most podcast apps. Thanks again for listening to It's a Mimic, where you never know what you're going to get. 
This has been an It's a Mimic production. Inquiries, requests, and questions for our mailbags can be sent to info at itsamimic.com. So we spend every week talking about these fictional superheroes that we create. Okay. And so I wanted to ask the both of you, tell me about a time where you were the hero. Oh, like legitimately me. Yeah. Yeah. We're... And now it doesn't don't feel the pressure of like now you have to come up with this big story. But just something that you did where you recognized that uh you were the hero in that moment. To whatever degree that you cool. want to be. Do we want to roll that? Sure. I feel like the both of you are gonna have really impressive stories that there's no you're gonna outman me on yeah. both these things. Okay. Uh, I, I got, got a four. thirteen. I got a three. Oh, the time I was the hero. I had a, uh, I, I can't name names and I'm not going to name specifics here. Saying I was the hero is like very against, like I feel very uncomfortable. Like I know. That's, like, and I yeah. thought of you when I came up with this question. Um, it's so, a situation so, where you. it wouldn't have gone well if you weren't there. Yeah. I had a friend who was uh, straight up going to be committing suicide and I had to go and like talk him down and take his knives away from him and... Like, spur of the moment, drop of a hat, three o'clock in the morning, I just happened to be awake and he and he called me or sent me a message that was, like, super vague and I just drove to his house and was like... Like, you just got it? I just felt yeah. like something was wrong and right. drove to his house and, and dealt with it and, yeah, he's still alive today, he's got three kids... Nice. Having a nice, successful life as a plumber. So. I should have anticipated oh, that maybe a story like that would have happened, and I didn't think. Because <laughs> I've never had to do that. So, fantastic. Uh, Kyle, no pressure. Well, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, Kyle, no pressure. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, it was me next. next. It was me next. I uh, I saved a child's life, and I actually, well, maybe not his life, maybe his neck. I saved his neck. I, Dan, I did tell you about this. I remember you. Uh, I was uh, I was on a hike once, and I forget which one it was, off so in Vancouver somewhere, and a kid was like balancing on, you know, the wooden bridges going off. And it was maybe only 30 feet high, but it was like, you know, like when the rocks come down, like there's been an avalanche yeah. previously, it was like above that. So he may have fallen and broke his neck or 30 something like that. 30 feet is a long way it's to fall. It's a long way. And he was probably like 10 or something yeah. like that. And he like wobbled and was going over. At the second that I was walking by and I grabbed his arm like that and, and put him down. Yeah. And then he just ran off. He oh, just yeah. ran off and disappeared <laughs> into the trees. And uh, my girlfriend was there and I was like, did you see... And then we just carried on as though nothing happened. Yeah. We just <laughs> carried on. Um, I saved my cousin from drowning when we were kids. Uh, we were in my grandma's pool out back and I was kind of like doing my own thing. And then I just kind of saw something like thrashing in the corner of my eye. And I noticed my cousin fully clothed in the corner of the pool and he just couldn't get himself up the edge. So I swum under him and just kind of like pushed oh, him up. Oh, you pushed him up? Oh, yeah. man. Yeah, see? So, so what you're trying to say is this this podcast is just literally staffed by regular everyday heroes. Does yeah. that make Adam the villain? Yeah. Like, is Adam the one that's setting Adam up these set situations? all these situations? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Adam's like Moriarty. Yeah, <laughs> that's why he's the DM all the time. Oh yeah, he's yeah. the big bad evil guy. I actually have another story where I had to like chase a bear away from an ambulance. So I grabbed like a hammer. <laughs> what? I yeah, I I grabbed a hammer. It would, like this was two years ago. I want to say. It, I might have mentioned it on the podcast, but one of my neighbors was cutting and making a deck in their backyard and is an engineer. So not exactly the most on hands, practical. Right. Good with his mind. Good with, yeah. his, good with his mind, but not with his common Soft sense. Soft hands. Soft hands when yeah. you shake it. Yeah. Uh, so he, he was, he was <laughs> one of them. sawing through a beam and was standing on the wrong side of it. Just didn't think of how that would go for him. And it yeah. gave out from under him. And he like shattered his collarbone, broke his wrist, his arm, his ri- like a couple ribs. Like he he did a number to himself, and the ambulance was here picking him up. 
And this was at the exact same time there was a large black bear in the neighborhood. Standard. They were in the backyard, like the ambulance and the driver and everyone was in the backyard taking care of him, getting him up on the gurney. And this bear got up and like walked between the ambulance and where they would be walking. So I had to like grab a metal dustpan and a hammer. And I just started smacking this yeah. thing. And I, I, oh, I, but you paladin yeah. over here. I, well, I, I just needed to make as much noise as possible, right? right? And I just started screaming and hammering and, and, and chasing this bear away so that the ambulance could pick up my neighbor and take him away. Yeah. My grandma was on the patio because she just happened to be over. She's like 78 years old. Uh, and, and she was just screaming at me, calling me an idiot. Like, what are you doing? I'm like, the neighbor's hurt. I got to help. Yeah. So, Dan, don't ever talk to me about social anxiety again. If you chased a bear with a hammer, like, well, there's no social aspect yeah. involved in that. No, I but just... I'm saying you can't be afraid of things if you've done that. Like, that's oh, people terrify me. A yeah. bear, I have no problem with <laughs> coming face to face with somebody and actually having to converse with them deeply and sincerely for a long period of time is my nightmare. Dan would yeah. rather chase a bear than have to ask somebody what they said for a third time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. I play a game where I pretend I'm somebody else for seven hours straight. There's a reason for that. <laughs> for the cold open, I just have a dad joke. Is that all right? Sure. Very much yes. Yeah. Is it a long dad joke? Or no. Not? It's super short. Oh, that'll be fine. Yeah. Okay. Aren't all dad jokes short? No. No. My dad would tell a dad joke. It would be 45 minutes long. That's yeah. not going to work for me. No. That's no. not going to work. You'd have to tell him. I get a lot of shit on the podcast for being the guy who's like, okay, I'm going to tell you a story, but first I have to tell you my entire life background before yeah. I get to the point of the story. Um, I get that very legitimately from my dad. My dad told us a story about how he once witnessed a dude get t- torn in half by one of those big oil rigs in Alberta. That's I'm from Alberta. Yeah. My dad was a farmer there. He saw some shitty things. I'm pretty sure that was a four-hour-long discussion about why him and his friends were drinking on an oil rig in the first place, how they got in there, the entire story. Like, whose truck they borrowed that day? I'm like, yeah. I don't care. You saw a dude get ripped in half. That's the point That's of the story. That's the bit you focus yeah. on. Yeah. Only things that are relevant to that. I can put. I can fill in the gaps as to how you, you're drinking on an oil rig for the same reason anybody else would. Because you're fucking around. Yeah, because you're in the prairies. There's nothing to do. It's the 1970s. Yep. And you sit on an oil rig and you drink. Matt yeah. wasn't that big yet. Yeah, mm. I get it. Cast this. Move. <laughs> Fuck something's yeah. dead. <laughs> I'd like some bonus action with Tasha. Travis, timestamp that one. <laughs> <laughs> I got the look from Dan that that's not going in. <laughs> cut that. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe cut that. I'm, I'm with you. She's like, she's the hot goth girlfriend she's of the, She's D&D. like, see, I've been talking about Tasha for years. Yeah. And everybody knows this. Yeah. Do, oh, yeah. do you want to date someone that could literally blow up your mind? Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'd yeah. die for her. I'd do anything for okay. her. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's move on. Thanks for listening. Bye.